This podcast was recorded on the stolen lands of the Wandri people of the Kulin Nation, the Bindal people of Thalgari Wadja, and the Wulguru Kaaba people of Karambilbara. We pay our respects to elders past and present and any First Nations peoples listening today. We recognise the ongoing effect of colonisation on peoples, lands, waters and culture. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. In the heat of Welcome to Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, where we talk about politics and systems from a feminist perspective. My name is Steph. And I'm Leah. And today we're doing part two of the Religious Discrimination Bill. And as promised, this will probably be the last time that we have to talk about it. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. Hopefully. I don't want it to be one of those one of forward slash question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, hopefully this is done now. Anyway. Before we start, we have a correction to make. On the last episode, we praised Warren Inch, the member for Leichhardt. His name is now erased, just like when Scott Morrison was up. And in all of the tweets and the marketing materials, wouldn't even put his name, just had member for Leichhardt. Anyway, fuck member for Leichhardt. What's voted- member for Leichhardt done? He disagreed with the bill, but he would not stop it from passing. That's one solid backbone there. Just be glad this isn't video. Otherwise, I would have found <laughs> a spy as a prop. This ALP is a spine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So one of the headlines that I did read, and I think this was from Crikey, and this is the one that I really took issue with. And I think this was probably early on in the day, but they were like, the bill passed, but this is why it's still bad for Scott Morrison. Uh, no, (laughs) Scott Morrison's going to be fine regardless if it passes or doesn't. Um, it's bad because regardless if it goes through or not, this is a conversation that in 2022, we should not be having. We should not be talking about rolling back discrimination laws on the basis of religion at all. You're 100% right. I know. I know. (laughs) You're always right. (laughs) Oh, no. Oops. That's... uh, All right. Well, that's on record, so... I found the focus on preventing discrimination on queer kids to be really kind of sick for two reasons. One, as we mentioned last time, you're basically just giving them five years of not being discriminated against before you go full hog on it. And two... That discussion was had at the expense of disabled people. Anyone who's, who's protected by the Racial Discrimination Act, so Indigenous people, people of colour, migrants. But also, when we say protected, we're using inverted commas. Yes. Protected if you have a little bit of money behind you. <laughs> or for all lots of legal friends. And are just one of the most resilient people on the planet. Especially in this country. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that we're, I'm saying that no one should have pushed for um, protection of queer kids. Just more... This really hid the horrors of this bill and stopped some very important conversations alongside the very important conversation that you should beat up on queer kids. The fact this was even tabled and considered and that there's actually been debate around it and that people have been both sides in it, to me, speaks volumes about where we are as a culture and how neolithic we are when it comes to race, class, power, women, children, like just the whole thing. And the idea that you can be protected from discrimination until a certain age is ludicrous to me. Oh yeah. Like as if like people aren't absorbing that from other means. And and like as if a child is going to be like you can't do that, I'm going to sue you. Like as if they don't just accept it as like the whole thing is just ridiculous. It's My ridiculous. My dad's going to put in a complaint to the human rights commissioner. <laughs> 
shit. <laughs> yeah, because that's not going to get you beat down in school. And as a kid who probably would have said something like that, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I don't know. It's just, what a day. What a day. I'm trying to find the notes. So, um, the... has a bit of a brief, brief breakdown. The debate so, in the sorry. House went for 16 hours. <laughs> Finally getting their money's worth out of the politicians. Yeah. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. Um, Look, it was weird, and the most disturbing aspect of what went down yesterday was the amount of people who were standing up and expressing their concerns about the bill. There were lots of concerns and lots of apologies about rolling 50 years of progress back, and they still voted for it. But is that not the most Australian thing in the world? Like, in the world. <laughs> like, how Australian is that? We've tried nothing, and oh. we're going to do something worse. Yeah. Look, I'm really sorry. I really disagree with it. So instead of voting against it, I'm going to vote for it. And as much as I'd like to not talk about Twitter drama or social media drama in general, but the amount of people that were talking about the politicking behind Labour's position and how they were wedged. No, they wedged themselves. Going to throw it out there. If you disagree with a bill or the contents of a bill... And if you vote for it, then you don't disagree with the contents of a bill. That was a self-wedgie. It was. <laughs> you know, Jackie Lambie went to town over the last couple of days of basically just looking at Labour MPs and going, what the fuck? If, if Lambie is your moral yardstick, then what are we doing? Because she's like a, a broken compass, really. Like, she just spins in circles and fuck knows where she's going to land. Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, to be fair, she she has opposed the bill since since two weeks after they were forth. Because it overrode Tasmania's Anti-Discrimination Act. Yeah, good. Look, we said it, like, in I think in the first five minutes. Re- religious freedom should be protected as long as it doesn't impact on other people's freedoms. And when you have to, like, roll back discrimination acts that were arguably put in place in the first place because of the church like yeah everything (laughs) everything that we have won has come from cis christian white men we have taken it from them if your religion needs to practice hate speech so hard like i'm getting my bibble if your religion i'm trying to sorry i'm trying to think of how to frame this without going nick beard atheist (laughs) No, but like, if you are a part of a faith or a religion, that in order for you to practice your faith, you have to enact bigotry and homophobia and racism and misogyny. Are you sure you want to be in that religion? Look, to be honest, many, many, many bigots choose religion specifically because it's bigotries that they can publicly hold. So they're using, again, the Bible to reference their hate speech. Pretty much. I, I know a lot of cis dudes over the years who have picked up Christianity as a way of <laughs> doing misogyny. <laughs> they were misogynist That's assholes true. before, but now that they had Christianity as a shield, I still have no idea how a queer kid in a school impacts somebody else's ability to practice their religion through worship, observance, practice, or teaching. Like, if you were to then extend that out, who do we exclude from society because it offends somebody's religious belief? Like, actually exclude them. If their presence in a school is a, um, is aff- offends the religious belief, does, their, does the presence in society offend the religious belief? This, 
This really highlights who this bill is for. It does. We have had this discussion when I was studying pharmacy back in the day when uh, the uh, mifeprostone was, was the special ministerial privilege, you know, approval for that. Tony Abbott, that was a grim time. Minister for women that was never minister for women. Wasn't he also the Minister for Indigenous Affairs? <laughs> he didn't called it. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, my lecturer got up through all of this, short Scottish dude, who basically said, look, if you have an immoral objection to dispensing any medication for any patient, find another job. Your job is to dispense medication. That's what your job is. You don't get to judge. And that is against every principle of healthcare that we operate under. And you could argue the same thing to Scott Morrison. Your job is to govern the entire country, not just people who fit within your narrow view of what is acceptable and what is ex- isn't acceptable. Must not pull up the constitution. <laughs> good, good governance. Let's get back into the amendments. So, oh, hang on. Uh, we didn't mention the- Bob Catter. You know what? Fuck Bob Catter. Let's not mention it. Let's go with amendments. Sorry. I kind of want to know what Bob Catter did. <laughs> come on. He's like, he's your weird uncle. He's your racist drunk uncle in the, in the oh. parliament. I'm not pulling up the speech. We're not going to play any of it. He had oh. talked about Galileo, the Byzantium <laughs> Empire. What? Oh, Joseph my God. Stalin got name dropped. What? Did he have any time for it? He just... did, did any blossoms bloom? <laughs> no, no, no blossoms were blooming. Oh, my God. It was a wild <laughs> ride. I just kind of want to, like, pat him on the head and boop him on the nose. Like, is that really bad? Because he is actually a super powerful and quite wealthy man. But I'm just like, oh, pumpkin, sit down, I'll get you a cup of tea. Like, you're going off a bit. You should definitely do that. <laughs> oh, look, good, good try. No? Okay, but what did... Sorry, keep going. What did he do? Oh, rambled. Aimlessly. Look, I can't relate. Which, you know, like quoting Galileo <laughs> about a bit... In the context of a bill about religious freedom is a bit of a cell phone. Not that Bob would know it or understand <laughs> it. Given that Galileo was forced to recant or face sanction by the Catholic Church. Anyway, would you like to... Um, <laughs> would you like to do the start the amendments thing again? No, let's just, all right, let's just go into the amendments. I don't, there's no way to transition from Bob Catter being wild into what were the amendments and the religious discrimination bill. So don't even worry about it. Well, to be what fair, were re- we're going from Bob oh my- Catter to Craig Kelly, so. Look, that's a pretty smooth transition. Is it? Or is it? Mm, I feel like it's your uncle on the other side of your family that you don't talk to. And that, like, Craig Kelly is the uncle that you fake being COVID positive to avoid. Then he'll go on about the vaccines, which actually is a, a very nice segue into what, what, did, what did Craig Kelly say again? Oh, I just, so a couple of days ago when Scott Morrison was trying to drum up support or drum up the numbers for supporting this bill, he approached Craig Kelly. You can imagine Desperate how times. Well- Desperate, Desperate times. times. You can imagine how well it went down. So Craig Kelly's amendment was 17A, religious objections to COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> to avoid doubt, if 
A, conduct is engaged in because a person has not received a COVID vaccination, and B, the reason or one of the reasons, in brackets, whether or not it is the dominant or substantial reason the person has not received a COVID vaccination is that the person genuinely considers that doing so would be inconsistent with a religious belief held by the person. It goes on like this. He mentions vaccine passports. So... That didn't get up. Nope. Everybody's shocked. And so, insert. What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough. Now I want myself. Like, I was at work today. I missed most of what happened. Like, the last thing I knew is that it passed at 4.30 this morning. I think I got up to pee. <laughs> what were you doing the moment <laughs> that is, your you know, rights were lost? So the, the last thing I really understood is that it passed the lower house and it was moving into the Senate. But then when I left work at like four o'clock, everyone's being like, oh, that's a relief. I'm like, I, what did I miss? The things that we spoke about in the last episode, I'm assuming people voted for. And that's why it passed the lower house. It passed the lower house because the ALP decided that they weren't going to get themselves wedged. To the disagreement of a whole bunch of, of the ALP. In order for Labor to be like, we're not going to be wedged or they are, are they wedging? But I'm, I'm so confused. Yeah. I'm so confused. So am I. Because essentially, like everyone, agreed A religious discrimination bill is necessary. They pointed out that there is no protection against vilification and that they wanted a protection against vilification because if you have a religious discrimination bill, you must have rules for vilification. Makes sense. Yeah. Funny that the uh, Morrison government didn't try and put that in. It's a little bit, you know, we'll get to why in a second. Anyway. Okay. So the caucus met and they basically decided that they were going to demand a bunch of amendments. And if those amendments didn't pass, they were going to pass the bill anyway. Real strong bargaining position, my dudes. Which is like, you have to eat your dinner. And if you don't eat your dinner, you're not getting any dessert. But also, if you don't eat your dinner, you will get dessert. Yep. I hate Labor. Yep. I hate that Labor is our option. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've got shit... And then we've got a slightly smaller version of shit. I, I can't remember who said it, but it was basically Labor's approach to this is somebody's giving you a shit sandwich and they've just taken out one log. Yeah. And still expect you to eat it. Or it's like, it's a shit sandwich, but it's 50% female shit. <laughs> it's diverse it. shit. <laughs> it's just, I just, mm, we need to, mm, we need a stronger independent movement. We really do. What's happened is that Labor has lied about what position that they're going to take. Mark Dreyfus, as we said last time, uh, stated that this bill would not... Did we? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's I remember going on we talked about Mark Dreyfus. Mark Dreyfus promised I know, I was to, so not, tired. to not remove existing protections in law. Yeah. That was the, the third principle that was the by promise. which um, Labor were going to direct their vote. But did you read the fine print? There wasn't fine print. It was a press release. The fine print is on the Labour policy thing, and it clearly stipulates that they have no policies, only campaigns. Slogans. <laughs> we got slogans on policies. May as well be it. Yeah, may as well be fucking Cadbury's chocolates. Like fucking fuck. So there was an attempt to, to um, bring in vilification 
And I honestly right now can't remember whether it passed or not, and that's not really important. It is important to note that, because I've got the amendment up in front of me, that there were exceptions to the vilification protecting academic discussion, artistic discussion, religious discussion, and scientific purpose. The problem I've always had with um, exceptions to religious vilification is that you need an exemption for vilification of a religion, but you also need an exception for a vilification on on the grounds of religion at the same time, because doctrinal differences. You need to be able to... That's why this shit is very difficult to legislate for. It's just kind of funny that... That Perrottet is to the left of the, a- the ALP on this one, going, don't do it, it's bad, you'll mess it up. Yeah. yeah. But they're all like freedom of speech, and f- you know, until it comes to being a trans kid. Anti-cancel culture. Adamant put forth a amendment to omit statements of belief. So the amendment for that, um, it's a little bit complicated in one part and super simple in another part. Rebecca Sharkey's amendment... Educational institutions established for religious purposes. Exemption. Nothing in paragraph 14.1a or b or 14.2c renders it unlawful for a person to discriminate against another person on the grounds of the other person's sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, marital or relationship status, or pregnancy in connection with employment as a member of the staff of the educational institution. On and on and on and on. Basically, it was good. Oh, good. Okay. I'm really, I'm so confused. <laughs> Just for something different. It's, oh, look, it is, it is some, somewhat complicated. So Rebecca Sharkey is an MP in Mayo. Is that actually how you say it? I think so. Um, formerly of Centre Alliance, I think. Other political podcasts might know more about the history of, pol- of political parties in South Australia, but I think that had something to do with Nick Xenophon at some point. Anyway, so... <clears throat> here is here here is the amendment that's um We are literally one paragraph into the run sheet. Yeah. <laughs> See, okay, I, I don't like the uh, like I know the honorific of Miss is, is important, but you know, like the honorable member because it because it literally goes um human rights legislation amendment bill 2021 in brackets miss sharkey oh i did look at that schedule 1 item 6 page 5 lines 4 to 7 omit subsection 47c in brackets 4 discrimination by religious educational institutions Schedule 1, page 6, after line 10, at the end of the schedule, add 10, at the end of section 37, in brackets 3, paragraph 1D does not apply to an act or, pr- or practice of an educational institution that is conducted in accordance with the doctrines, tenets, beliefs, or teachings of a particular religion or creed if the act or practice is in connection with employment, education, and trading provided by educational institutions. 11. Section 38. Repeal the section. <laughs> it's just the long and the short of it no. is that gay and trans kids can't be expelled from school. That's the Good. that's the simple answer. The problem with that is that it provides no other protections. Mm. So the school can still bully them to shit, um, mm. as we said last time, but they can't be expelled for it. And everyone is is chalking that up as a win. Yeah. Students are yeah. protected against that's, what? That's not protection, baby. Yeah. To be fair, expelling them, like... Would I'm be not, nicer. Yeah, I'm not sure if I said this last time, but, like, a blanket ban and expulsion is probably better for their mental health 
than having a school lie about the depth of bullying that they're about to experience. Yeah. So the amendment made by Rebecca Sharkey, is that pretty much why this bill passed? The bill was going to pass anyway, to be fair, because Labor had already said that they were going to vote for a bill that had no amendments, whether it had amendments or not. So their their bargaining position was weak and severely. And the funny thing is that at the end of the day, if you read the political discourse about all of this, you will never know what's going on. There's so much misinformation about what what actually happened. Labor made the same amendment um, and it was voted down. Which goes to show you that this has just been a political game from from the start. So Rebecca Sharkey's amendment. There were five moderate liberals who um, who voted in favour of it. And to be five fair, five liberals who voted in favour of Rebecca Sharkey's amendment. Yeah. So and to be fair, that's the only crossing of the floor that you really need to know. And that was Trent Zimmerman, um, Bridget Archer, uh, Katie Allen, Dave Sharma finally voted on something. Wow. Yeah. People, liberals who are in progressive seats. Uh, and Fiona Martin. Yep, that's one. Because <sighs> I've also got the list of, um, the, of the predictions of the Senate voting as well, which is all over the place. Because we talked about Pauline Hanson abstaining at the very end of the last pod. Yeah. The reason why she was abstaining from pro- of, of voting in favour of any government bill, bill was because they wouldn't pass an anti-vax law. And late last night, or late yesterday afternoon, Malcolm Roberts released a statement saying that he and Pauline Hanson were going to vote for this bill because they believe in freedom and this bill provides freedom. So they lied to their own constituents. Let's not pretend that Pauline Hanson and Malcolm Roberts, the man with no neck, have any kind of integrity. They're just grifters. Like, seriously. So, what about Amanda Stoker, old mate Stokes and the Australian Christian Lobby? Oh, so here's the deal. <laughs> oh, On the day of recording, um, the, the first episodes, two days ago, the Australian... Co- no, it was yesterday. So, here's the deal. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It was, oh, was it on the day of recording or when she said it? No. We recorded on Tuesday. Today's Thursday. Yeah. So yesterday, the Australian Christian Lobby released a statement. If protections for queer kids were added and if the statement of belief clause was weakened in any way, they would remove their support of the bill and tell Morrison to bin it. So the senator for the Australian Christian Lobby <laughs> this morning received inst- divine instruction from the Australian Christian Lobby that they had withdrawn support. For the bill. The senator for... We are just about to go back to um, Michaelia Cash, but the... So Michaelia Cash has made a statement this morning. Amanda Stoker made a, a statement this morning. And Senator Hume, and I can't remember her first name, all made statements this morning basically saying the bill was to do a specific purpose discriminating against queer kids and the bill no longer does the purpose and so they did not want to release a bill that would not do the thing that they intended to do which was to discriminate against queer kids yeah. the other sections and this is a, this is really insulting the stuff about healthcare the stuff about accommodation the stuff about accessing services about being able to enter premises added on top of what the australian christian lobby like they didn't care about anything else their whole goal one of the biggest backers of this bill their only goal in this bill was to exclude queer kids from school so they didn't particularly give a shit one way or another whether existing human rights were rolled back Anyway, so they've withdrawn their support and the juggling began. It was a circus. So that's, is that where it all started? That's where it all began to fall apart. 
Right. Because the Australian Christian lobby was just like, this is not hateful enough. Yeah, this is not hateful against the people that we want it to be hateful against. Wow. That's that's your Australian Christian lobby. There is like no, they... there, there's no hate quite like Christian love. So the last little bit of this, to finish the day, I should say, which happened at about lunchtime, the bill was scheduled to be debated in the Senate. That didn't happen. A motion was put forth to basically move the, the debate about when this bill was going to be discussed to a different day. And there's a little bit of a funny story, but you could probably find that anywhere. Matt Canavan basically standing up and saying, I'm confused. <laughs> yes, you are, buddy. Yes, you are. Yes, correct. And I'm glad you acknowledged Senate it. President having to... Yes. <laughs> Look, that, that was a big admission, buddy. Yeah, and well done. I'm proud Good of you. you. Good for you. You can find that if you're particularly interested. Um, uh, via a quick Google search, the President of the Senate had to explain how the Senate works to a bunch of senators... <laughs> Look, uh, as, yes, look, I it can be confusing, but like most people, I know how to do my job. Canavan, it's not just all high viz and photo ops. I'm sorry, buddy. Wipe the cold dust off your face. Yeah. The end result of this is that the bill has been pushed to the next Senate sitting. There are two days left of Senate business in scheduled for the rest of the year before the election because this government decided not to show up to work for more than 90% of the year. And how much do they get paid again? I mean, there's only, we're in Friday and there's something like only three weeks left of parliamentary sitting or two weeks left. Like, yeah, literally we pay these, these fuckwits $220,000 as a starting, as a base salary. And they've only rusted themselves on for six weeks of work or something like that. No, it's, it's, it's really it's, intense. It's like I was trying to break down because someone, when you look at just parliamentarians allow, like away from home allowance while they're sitting in parliament, it's an obscene. They can afford to buy property with the allowances that they're given. It's obscene. It's obscene. And then when you can com- you compare that to like the rate of unemployment, like, mm, obscene. Anyway, is the bill is is the bill dead? For all intents and purposes, the bill is dead. Not to get all economists and little bit conspiracy theorists, uh, but the last two days of the Senate sitting are going to be taken up with budget stuff. And if Scott Morrison tried to push a religious freedom bill after all of the controversy and scandal in the middle of the mo- single most important political time for any government which is talking about money. (laughs) Scott Morrison will probably disappear like Harold Holt. (laughs) Such the reputational damage would be to the government to try and stop actual government business. Like, we know that the budget's bullshit. Yeah. 100% know that it's bullshit. However, you still need to come up with figures because that's just the done thing. And departure from the done thing when it comes to money, the economy, and like the, 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 the Australian Liberal Party would not recover from Scott Morrison sabotaging the budget for a religious freedom bill that he didn't have the numbers in his own party to pass today anyway. And that his Christian backers told him to withdraw. See, that's that's an uncomfortable position to be in. When you've got on one side, you've got five MPs from your party crossing the floor. I mean, I don't know where they're crossing the floor to because it's not like they're crossing the floor to Labour. Well, if they just like, a division, they actually have to go to the other side of the room. Yeah, I know, but it's like, but Labour was voting with Scott Morrison. Yeah. So what, did they just like wander the <laughs> desert for 30 years? Like, yeah, you, st- oh, you stand shit. on the other side and basically the duopoly is staring at you, silently judging you. Or did, But did did Labour kind of actually cross the floor as well? Like, it's, it's a weird concept. They anyway. did not because they voted as a block. Mm. Yeah, I know, but it's like, yes, 
But it's just weird. It's just like, well, actually, technically, Labor crossed the floor to the Liberal Party, and then there's just five Liberal MPs going like, yo, what's up? <laughs> what? And there's a Green. And one Green. Or uh, the Green block. So maybe they crossed, the, they did a diagonal across the floor. And then there was the Independents. Then maybe they, they boogied across the floor over to the Greens. I think on some of them, there were like nine people on one side of the room. So yes, for, for the time being, the bill is dead. Um, the likelihood of it being resurrected at the... Um, at a new government, I think this one's. Uh, I think this one is too politically toxic. Look, I hope so, and fingers crossed. And like, I don't know. I I just I really commend the bravery, and I think you have to call it bravery of Bridget Archer to really spearhead this sort yeah. of five member. <clears throat> My opinion of her has increased immensely. Yeah, I know that she was doing it for political reasons, and like most MPs do for political reasons, the same motivation was enough to give. Bridget Archer courage where it gave cowardice to the Liberal Party, so the entire Labour Party. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's been some wild kind of conspiracy theory. I don't know if conspiracy theory, speculation. There's been some interesting speculation around what happened. So on one hand, we've got, and this is a post from one of the members for Women in Australia, a, a Facebook group that both Steph and I are a part of. They're an organisation that campaign and fundraise for independent feminist... Well, I don't think you call them... They don't really call themselves feminists, do they? The, the campaign for independent women candidates. So this is from um, a member from Women for Australia. One of the stories that this person has heard, the <coughs> LNP are claiming they had to withdraw the bill due to Australian Solicitor General's that Labor amendments would cause even more discrimination. Point two, the Greens said... Greens have just passed, and this is a, a post from Larissa Waters. Greens just passed motion to stop hate laws being rushed through. This means they can't pass this week. The fight goes on. The irony of this is that the Greens have rushed a motion to not rush motions, <laughs> which is very funny. But, you know, cool, like, good, I don't disagree with it. Queer activists state the LNP did not have the numbers to win the vote. Too many Liberal senators were going to cross the floor. Maybe. A Labour person said the same thing. Libs don't have the numbers. This gives Parliament time to fix the bill properly. If this was a video, thinking bubbles and that. Kath Wilcox. Oh, Kathy Wilcox. Of the Labour parliamentarians on a boat and a trans kid drowning. And the Labour boat was like sailing away, saying to the trans kids... Don't worry, we'll come back and get you once we've fixed it. It's a no from me, yeah. anyway. Um, but it's an accurate description of the last 10 years of the ALP. Yeah, look, we'll fix it later. Like, it, yeah, let's just sticky tape it together and I promise you I'll come back and get it later. And they don't. I don't know. I don't know why it's passed. I don't know what's happened. I, I suspect that your initial statement before, Steph, about the um, Amanda Stoker's the party, what for are they the Australian called? Christian Lobby. Yeah, I suspect it's the, the Australian Christian Lobby pulling support meant that... The conservative Christian position isn't necessarily... Like, we know it's unpopular in the general community. Um, there was a survey, research done that say, said that this bill would have only been popular with one in five, five voters. Um, and, you know, the vast majority of the people who would fall into that one in five voters are not voting Labour. They're voting for the LNP, and they're always voting for the LNP. And this is where politics in Australia just gets so... Fucked up. Anyway, the Australian Christian Lobby does ha- doesn't have the power to really swing 
elections per se, but they do have the power to destroy individuals. Because, I uh, look, I know that people will talk about the campaigns that the ACL have done. They're pretty weird fucked up and they just don't really work and they need to coordinate against one person. Don't I'm, tell them what they need to do. No, as in, in order for them to be effective, they need to like target an individual MP within their own group, which is why they've been slowly, you know, like pushing particular individuals for pre-selection. I'm just, I'm, I'm revealing what they're doing. I'm not giving them tips. Um, and, you know, particularly in the Senate race, this is going to be a bit of an issue in Queensland. But they're really a useless lobby that is incapable of doing anything. Like, during the Queensland election, they were getting on Christian radio stations, or their, their members were getting on Christian radio stations, to try and push the idea that if you voted for the Queensland Labor Party, apart from the corruption that it would get, incoming Fitzgerald 2 inquiry, um, that schools would trans your kids, everyone's going to get free marijuana. Euthanasia. It's ineffective because essentially, I think on the like drug the issue word in trans just makes me go ugh. But like free marijuana, and we're talking about Queensland. Exactly. I think there's a lot of people that would be like, "Sounds good." No, I, I know a dude who grew up in the same Christian conservative circles that I did, um, and he went to Canada to learn how to become a weed farmer. <laughs> Cute. Because his dream is to buy property in Queensland and grow weed and he's a full conservative Christian let conservative Christians smoke again I guess yeah and you know like they don't really have a great deal of institutional power beyond what the LNP internally perceive them to have yeah they're terrified of this group yeah and you know like Martin Islet Ilis or Illis or however his name is pronounced, who wants to start a war with China because it will make more Christians. Like, they are batshit weirdos who their views are not popular with anyone anywhere. They do kind of fall to an irrelevance. But for some reason, the Australian Liberal Party is beholden to them. Mm, interesting. It's very interesting. They're almost just a wing of the Australian of the um, of Liberal Australia, like they're not, like yeah, outside of their own circles, they've got no power. Yeah. When when they brought a uh, one of those billboard trailers to, to near where I live, is that the, the local the kids abortion saw it. ones? Yeah, the local kids first night slashed all the tires to the point at which like it shredded them. Not all heroes wear capes. Those local kids. I'm so proud of so them. Proud. Like, so proud. It's so proud. It's beautiful. Beautiful. It's all strips of tires. Amazing. Good. And to be fair, where I live, you know, like the likelihood of it being tipped over and set on fire was quite high. So, you know, they showed a bit of restraint while still performing exceptional, exceptional practical activism. Huh. Yeah. So apparently um, Anthony Albanese was basically saying that people who like this is 20, 30 years ago. I don't remember how long when he was um, like president of like a student union wrote it wrote a paper saying that people who were getting paid over $100,000 weren't doing anything to deserve a salary of that amount and that an inheritance tax should be... And it's like it happened 30 years ago and it got brought up in question time today. And you're sitting there going, this isn't the actual dunk you think it is. Yeah. Because he has moved that far to the right. 
Yeah. Like, if I can't distinguish between, um, between Anthony Albanese and a generic rank-and-file LNP member, he was talking communism and revolution 30 years ago. Now he's basically trying to pretend that a independence <laughs> amendment is his own and that he wasn't sacrificing trans kids. Good luck, buddy. Good fucking luck. So... Uh, what else? Death taxes back on was brought up in question good. time again. They're pulling out all the stops. Let's talk about tax, baby. Let's talk about G. DP. <laughs> but it's, seriously, it's, it's re- why do people not re- like death tax? I mean, I is know. it just rich people who don't like death tax? Yeah, but you know, it's a rehash of every single hit from the from the last two, thirty years of politics. They're that desperate at the at the moment. So we should probably talk a little bit about the bullet we dodged. Um, I interviewed Gala Vanting yesterday before all of this other stuff happened um, about the impacts of the bill if it were to go through unamended. So let's just go to that now. I'm speaking now with Gala Vanting, who is the National Programs Manager at Scarlet Alliance, Australian Sex Workers Association. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you. Uh, the Religious Discrimination Bill is currently being discussed in Parliament as we speak. What does this mean for sex workers if it passes without amendments? So the Religious Discrimination Bill... Uh, I guess it has the potential to override any existing protections that we have now for sex workers, but also to override future protections. Currently, the anti-discrimination and anti-vilification protections for sex workers in the states and territories um, are pretty weak. Uh, and they, where they do provide any protection, it often has exceptions attached to it, uh, or it is, um, you know, the, the the attributes under which we are protected are not quite appropriate for us, and don't actually acknowledge the unique stigma that informs discrimination against sex workers. Uh, so across the country, sex workers are working for better anti-discrimination protections uh, where they do exist and inclusion in anti-discrimination protections where they don't. And what we're specifically asking for is protection for the attribute sex work and sex worker. Um, And we've been working for this in several jurisdictions. Um, It was, uh, this discussion was part of the formation of the decriminalization bill that is before the Victorian parliament this week. Um, And it's it's a really necessary step in order for sex workers to enjoy uh, the same rights and access uh, to to basic needs um, of other people in Australia. The Religious Discrimination Bill, of course, because it uh, in its current state does override existing protections in the jurisdictions. Um, would certainly wipe out any of the work that we're doing and any of the work that we've done in the past um, to secure access to things like healthcare, um, social services, you know, um, being protected from things like financial discrimination, et cetera. You know, all of the things that we should expect to have, um, but so often do not. Um, so I think, you know, our biggest concern, of course, is that piece around um around overriding the protections that we have, but also, you know, the overall tone of the bill is a backstep, right? It is a a devolution of the really strong work that has been done by marginalized people in Australia um, for, uh, you know, at least half the last century um, to to secure that access. And we stand really in alignment um, and in solidarity with 
um, with the people whose whose rights will be rolled back by this. And also, you know, we are opposed to the amplification of a particular class um, as somehow more deserving of anti-discrimination protections than everyone else. And and you know, in that is what the message that the bill puts forward. Um, so I think there is a, you know, in addition to our own concerns, we also really just feel strongly that all of the communities who are currently protected um, should not lose, lose out or have a, a, you know, kind of step back. And we're also concerned about that regulatory trend towards, um, you know, rolling back human rights, uh, gains in human rights um, that we've made in Australia because sex workers are a, a highly vilified and highly stigmatized part of the community um, and any trend towards a sort of conservative conservatism around human rights is bound to impact us greatly. Um, you know, we already sit at the margins of, of Australian culture in many senses. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so we feel pretty strongly um, that the bill shouldn't go through in its current form um, and, and have, you know, submitted to, to the government to that effect. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can people find out more about Scarlet Alliance? So you can find us at pretty much on all social media platforms um, at Scarlet Alliance. And we also, our website is scarletalliance.org.au. Um, we also kind of get involved in, in the policy debates as they're happening nationally and locally. Um, and we have member organizations in every state and territory. So um, the work of the sex worker rights movement and of sex worker peer educators is also really manifest in our member organizations. So if you are a sex worker um, or you're considering becoming one, you might reach out to your local sex worker peer organization um, for support. Amazing. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's pretty grim. It's. I feel and like and, every and time we important. do an interview, it's just like the first thing we say is just like, "Oof, it's bad." <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, to be to be fair, and and I think that we really need to kind of like constantly, especially with with some of the other stuff that's going on in in um, the space of legislation around sex work this year in in the continent we kind of really do need to hammer home that this is an ongoing issue and that just because this bill has died does not change a lot of the discrimination that sex workers face. No, well, yes, and not just sex workers, like Gala mentioned. Like, this is across the board. Like, they try to everyone. But I think what we should probably mention as well is that the government's already done this in the Northern Territory. They've all, when they started the Northern Territory intervention, they had to suspend the Racial Discrimination Act and the flow-on effects for that were astronomical. The level of discrimination and racism in the Northern Territory, but also around the rest of Australia, was is astronomical. The injury card, segregation, it's, it's horrific. When you... We remove anti-discrimination law, you increase carceral responses. It moves from something to be respected to something to be policed. So just don't don't do that. Another thing that's not being discussed is the amount of Christian organisations that exist within the disability and support services. What this bill would have allowed would have been to refuse service to a number of people. Think of all the charities that exist... They're either Catholic, they're Anglican, there are some atheist charities that exist, um, but because the government has outsourced a lot of the charitable services, 
and a lot of the not-for-profit sector to Christian organizations. This bill allowed them to turn away homeless people from food banks. Discrimination at things like rape shelters, domestic violence shelters. Like, and it's not just the usual, you know, like whether or not the uh, a space is trans inclusiveness or not. It's allowing for discrimination against Indigenous people. Any protected characteristic under the Sex Discrimination Act, the Racial Discrimination Act, the Disability Discrimination Act, or the Age Discrimination Act. If you had one of those protected characteristics, or formally protected characteristics, you could still be excluded from services that were hard to access in the first place. And impossible now. Yeah. Well, not now. Oh. Well... The bill's still not dead. It's not like dead, dead. It's just it's it's in it's in it's in a coma. Yeah, it's in a, an induced coma. I'm look. I'm more than happy to go pull the plug. More than happy. Oh yeah, I'll grab a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a really good tweet from Janet Rice. We will miss her so much. Don't. I'm. And no, I don't care if you're no, not a Greens member. No. I'm, I just I refuse to acknowledge the fact that she is retiring. Nope, not happening. The, the first event that I planned by myself, Janet Rice was one of the speakers. And there was a, um, she'd actually scheduled herself to, they had like this full day conference thing for the Greens. Like it was like a, they were sitting and she scheduled herself to be able to come and speak at my event during her break and then blew off the rest of the day in with with her party so that she could stay at the event and talk to the people who were at my event and talk with me and talk with us about um feminism and overcoming obstacles and i'd mm, sloppy kiss yeah another bill has passed today in victoria victoria in victoria Uh, The Sex Work Decriminalisation Bill has passed the Victorian Parliament's Upper House. Yes. I have not read the bill and I really am keen to speak with some folk that I know through Ballot Alliance around um, what's in it and what's not and the work that we need to do because at the last reading it wasn't full decrim. It was decrim light, which is not okay. Yeah, But it's um... it's a positive first step. I, I know that certain um, amendments were supported and I know that the terms... Uh, I am so tired, I can't hit the at button on my phone. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, so there was an amendment to have sex work and sex worker as protected attributes that unfortunately did not um, pass. Not this time. Not this time. But there is a hashtag, no sex worker left behind, which I strongly advise that you jump on and have a look at all of the posts about. So this is this is from 30-year-old Virgin, Fairy Godslut, who is a dear friend. Any law criminalising sex workers hits the most vulnerable people hardest. Passing the decriminalisation in inverted commas bill while still criminalising street-based sex worker will harm vulnerable people. Fiona Patton, MLC, don't turn your back on this community now. No sex worker left behind. Like and retweet. In other news, on the same same front, Queensland is conducting another law review into the decriminalisation of sex work and submissions are open. Cool. So, Have we got a link for that? To... We'll pop that in the show notes. We will. Cool. Um, I will po- I, we will link to the specific tweet that links to the... Um, to the consultation information that Respect Queensland have put together. Awesome. And 
closer to the date, um, we will see if we can get somebody from Respect Queensland on to join us so that we can learn some more. Is Carly DeFranco from Respect Queensland? Yeah, she's keen to join us if we... If, um, yes. Because she's also writing a book. Honest, no, awesome. Um, so keen to have them come on. A, a cheeky go follow Carly DeFranco. They're incredible. Um, and also, Carly, come on and have a chat with us. Like, shameless. Anytime about anything. Yeah, literally. Oh, that's, see, this pisses me off. Is she just like, let's have a sex worker on to talk about sex work. And let's have um, trans people on to turn about trans stuff. And this is actually going back to Janet Rice. This is what me and Janet actually bonded over was that I wanted to develop um, a panel and, a, and events and things like that where it prioritises the voices of trans and gender diverse people, people of colour, to speak on their topic, which is not always their gender identity. And we were talking about, like, Penny talking about science, and it was, now it's all rest in peace, Penny. (sighs) And look, to be honest, if I had my choice to talk about anything in the entire world, it is about the just ethics of lab meat and whether or not (laughs) lab meat is kosher. And halal. Honestly, that is not where I thought that sentence would go. <laughs> well, it's better than talking about trains because nobody cares about trains and rail cages and public and mass transit. The only thing really left to do is to contact your senators. The bill's not dead. It is in a coma, but it's not dead. Contact your senators. Demand the changes that you want to be made, like removing the statement of belief clauses, removing the um, the exemptions that, that are in there, or, as I'm doing, telling them to kill it kill it dead (laughs) write your own one do we need a religious freedom bill or do we need religious discrimination actually you know what that's a really good point i would say that we need a religious discrimination bill except i'm just gonna throw this out there so the iccpr yes shoot me i know i'm quoting legislation again no one's gonna shoot you for that maybe scott Uh, morrison like don't tell people about the iccpr well, the ICCPR, to be honest, and I think that this is more to the point that, that um, we were making last time about accessing justice or what rich people would might call mm. justice, having it at state law and state level and having, you know, the simple, most basic of religious freedom statute in federal legislation is really the best way to go because the moment you make it federal is the moment that it has to go to a higher court. Mm. In Queensland, we don't have a great deal of religious diversity amongst the white population. Do you know what's here. really interesting about Queensland is that it has the highest rate of um, national redress scheme claims. <laughs> that does not surprise me in the slightest. I wish it did, consider- and I'm sorry. But yeah, religious freedoms, hey? I think regulating at the state level at least allows for modification for when, for more complex religious questions when they pop up. And then having the protected characteristics within the Sex Discrimination Act, the Racial Discrimination Act, a generalised religious discrimination act, an age discrimination, all of those. Yeah. I'm not repeating them, I'm confusing myself. <laughs> having, having that kind of framework as these are the bare minimum. Yeah. To be able to then modify a, a Religious Discrimination Act at state level, which is so much easier to achieve than yeah. government level. Look, I mean, and we've seen what's happened when they repealed the Racial Discrimination Act in Northern Territory. We saw what happened when they messed around with the um, with the laws around victim survivors being able to speak. We know what happens when the government legislates against protections. It doesn't go well. So, I don't know. 
Abolish the state, I reckon, personally. Oh, look, I'm all for abolishing the state. Unfortunately, the state is here. But, yes, I mean, yeah. Look, there's short-term and long-term goals. I feel like our long-term goals need to be abolition. Like, honestly. And in the meantime, what are we doing in order to take the steps towards abolition? And there's some people that are going to go less laws, and that's good. And I'm just like, mm-hmm smarter laws i don't know i i honestly not read that book yet <laughs> but just... is it also is it also a case that um that your knowledge of the weird and wonderful of law isn't to be honest it's really boring and dry topic about whether something you know like we were talking about positive and negative uh, duty once and you were sitting there just going i don't care which is a completely fair reasonable and totally normal response to some of this stuff no no it's not i just mm, that i don't care stuff i think sometimes comes from frustration as opposed to like genuinely not caring because when or you're a, talking or about a disbelief about how fucked it is to exist well, in the first place well i just think that the way that this system has been built and what it started off like the foundations of our legal system and our inverted commas justice system is white supremacist misogynist nonsense that is designed to support and to promote men and it's designed to oppress women and children and promote workers and all of this kind of stuff and any kind of changes that we make to of this system in order to promote the rights of of women and gender diverse people and trans people and queer people is on such tender hooks I guess I can't think of the word right now but it's a very precarious position because that's not what the system was made to do it's not the system isn't designed to to protect us so we're trying to wedge these laws into a system where they don't fit it's like round pegs into a square hole so it is very easy for this religious discrimination act to come along and be like just knock them out because culture doesn't support age discrimination um sex discrimination disability discrimination our culture isn't on that level it this bill should not have even been in parliament it shouldn't have passed committee to be fair like it's one thing to it's one thing to like submit a bill to parliament but this should have not passed the constitution no this should not have passed any of the committees no close scrutiny of this bill should have said this bill is fucked this bill is a conversation by your drunk racist uncle being like wouldn't it be great if we did this and everyone tells him to fuck off that's what this bill should have been that smart ass libertarian cousin that you just want to use the free market to punch his face in it just it shouldn't have gotten here and I, i just i can't help but think that the only way to get around this sort of stuff happening again because it will happen again the only way around this is um to abolish the state and i feel like that is like uh going yet no stress i'm just gonna do a quick jog up to the top of mount everest do you know what i mean like i don't i understand what i'm saying but i can't see any way to pussyfoot around it it's the structure of the system that is the problem and i because the legal system was designed to deal with contract disputes this transfer of property, you know. All, all I'm just going to say is that every structure is man-made in a social in, in a social construct and we can build or tear down whatever the fuck we like and what we want to do. It's just a matter of choice. And it's a matter of community organising. Look, I personally think I've said all I need to say. Um, should we leave it there? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, just before we head off, just want to thank Gala Vanting uh, from Scarlet Alliance. 
uh, Scarlet Alliance is the Australian Sex Workers Association and the National Peak Sex Worker Organisation on this continent, Australia. If you're a current or former sex worker looking to become a member, there's application forms, lots of resources for sex workers, by sex workers, um, and there's also space to donate, which is always good. Um, yes, thank you very much, everyone and everything, and but not Labour or Liberal or the member of Lightcard. <laughs> Bye. Oh, if you um. If you liked this and you want to see more of this, hear more of this, whatever, um, please like, share, subscribe. Yeah. Bye.